Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. The Around the NFL podcast. Cannot stop the rise of Bridget. <laughs> oh, no. From the Chris Wessling podcast studio, it's Around the NFL. I am Dan Hansis. I got Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal here. A lot, a lot of buzz about Bridget. Some people were triggered by the robot. <laughs> Relax. Some people seem to really enjoy it. What a manufactured pusher. joke. But again, the biggest concern is that she seems to be growing beyond the control of her creator. And that's a big issue. Yeah, it's a, like a 2001 Space Odyssey here in our real life. But you, you, uh, you know, you spent a lot of time telling us how much effort and work and toil you put into creating a better version, a 2.0 version of Bridget. And she's spun out of control. She's power hungry, um, an unlikable uh, bot. Uh, so not Whoa. a great job. By, well, do you find her likable? She's calling you out on some things. I mean, she might be my future boss. So I just <laughs> think she's doing what she can. And uh, I think, look, we've done this show 10 years. This is a nice little plot pivot. Our new overlord. Yeah, I was going to say boss seems kind. I, I feel like she might be like our all controlling uh, master at some point. It's not a world I want to be a part of. Championship weekend. Oh, I have right here. Not a shameless plug at all. Number one through four in the power rankings as we enter Super Bowl. Well, Championship weekend. Still got the Lions in there? chance to get to the Super Bowl. We had to say goodbye to the Lions. <laughs> Justin, I have in my hands the power rankings order. Number one, I have the Cincinnati Bengals. Number two, Whoa. the Philadelphia Eagles. Interesting. Number three, the San Francisco 49ers. Number four, the Kansas City Chiefs. And am I bringing that up because I want to direct you to NFL.com slash power rankings? Sure, I'll do that. But also, I want to point out, you could put those four in any order. And you're just as right. Even to, and you could say, well, Kansas City with Mahomes' injury. Pat's practicing in full right now on Doesn't top of everything else. Doesn't seem to be a huge else. issue, right? It's going to be great. This combination of teams, like, it seems like, oh, wow, this seems like a good four-pack of teams. There's historically never been, like, a, a foursome of teams who are this good and on this much of a winning streak. Between the Chiefs, 
uh, have won seven straight. The Bengals have won 10 straight. And the 49ers have won 12 straight. Like, if you combine the four teams' record over the last three months, it's better than any Final Four. It's also the first conference championship with point spreads under three in both games. Mm. In since the seventies, seventies. So like, it just doesn't. There hasn't even been one. Isn't that surprising? It it is surprising. Except like we got no upsets, which maybe made last week less dramatic on some level. But we've got the four best teams, and this is the first occurrence: 49ers, 49ers, Eagles, of a top rank offense and defense is clashing each other since top five since the Vikings and Cowboys in nineteen seventy five. So it ha- it is an aberration what's happening right now and a great one. And when there was this like idea of like there's no, you know, at some point in the season people would be like there's, there's no great teams. It's like this seems like a year actually there were great teams and then there was a lot of flotsam and jetsam around the same uh wanting to be one of these teams and the Bills would say we were one of those teams well you're not anymore. Sorry Bills fans. Oh. Yeah, well there's no, you know, right now dynasty in the NFL. No. Um, but um, I feel like it's not unusual. By the time you get to the final four, all the teams that are still alive are playing so well that they do feel like superpowers. Well, this teams, is our three of the is... last four from last year, though, too. It's not like <clears throat> yeah. they're they're out of nowhere. I mean, the right. Niners have been to the title game three of four years. The Chiefs get there year after year. So that they're not dynasties in the same way that we'd think of like the old nineties Cowboys and eighties Parcells Giants, but add a couple Super Bowls and you're there. I mean you forgot uh yeah, the best dynasty. Well, I don't think I said. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think that anyone's forgotten about the New England Patriots. We we're, we're living we're, in the past. No, we're just we're in living a, in the past. It is crazy to think though. This five straight championship game started Patrick Mahomes with a tight overtime defeat to that Patriots. I mean, that really at the time everyone was saying like this could be the changing of the guard, and uh, Tom wouldn't let go for one more game, but it, it really was the changing of the guard. In the AFC. Yes. And, um, you know, as we kind of we're going to get into the AFC game second, but you do feel a little bit of pressure on Mahomes because he has been like the guy in the last five years. Um, He has the one title. I think Mahomes, go get over the hump again. Get back to the game. Win another one. If 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 because, Greg, you've been on record on the show. I think you've said that. Is he the best ever? I think he's the best player I've ever seen. Yeah. Or covered. So, yeah. I'm not pushing back on that even. I'm just saying time to start stacking some of these Lombardis. Well, because the team is there, right? You don't like it's depressing to watch the quarterback do it early in the career and then not do it again. Aaron Rodgers-esque. Get a second here. It's a team sport, Dan. I mean, when when Tom Brady played his absolute best, didn't win any titles. Mm -hmm. I saw this tweet from Nate Tice showing the greatest offenses of the last 20 years. I forget what the context was. Maybe the Chiefs were on this list or something. And all of Brady's best offenses were in the period where he didn't win any titles. 2010, 11, 9, 7, 12. And it's a team, team game it's there, It's a team Dan. game. Bad defense. That's a great years. call, Greg. I never thought of it that way until you said it. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> just I, it wouldn't you. make me feel any different about Mahomes My, if they lose this game. Well, it doesn't mean I, I, I think less well. of him. But it is an uh, incredible. It's 27, too, to point out. It's an incredible achievement to get to this state of the season five years in a row, the final four. The odds are really with you at that point. If he does goes through this five years and this one, you come up empty, it's like, oh, just one title and you got to the final four five times in a yeah, row. Like a, you that say, would be frustrating you say and it wouldn't change the way you think about Mahomes. And I get it from like the player angle. And yet I feel differently about Aaron Rodgers. Right, for never getting there. Like, they, they were on the, it wasn't like he was toiling like Archie Manning for a bad team. They were on the doorstep over I and over. I guess my point is do it. he's at the age where Peyton Manning was still 
two years away from winning a playoff game or making a Super Bowl. So it's like, I just yeah, it not, doesn't it doesn't change too what, much. But me. what if five years from now he's not one one or six or seven? I don't. We're talking about this season, but. Unfinished business. Why don't we start with the AFC Championship game? Um, because one other thing, Greggy, to factor in, if he is indeed the greatest, the greatest you've ever seen, and you're not young anymore. I only count, though, the 20 years like <laughs> since we've covered the sport, or right? since I've okay. covered the sport. Because like before that, I'm like watching NFL <clears throat> primetime, and you have these memories of yourself uh, as a kid. Uh, 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 it's uh. tough to really compare. Um, yeah. How last season ended still stuns me because I have an incredible amount of respect for Patrick Mahomes. Um, I think he is, I'm with you. Like he is certainly in the top three quarterbacks I've ever seen um, at this stage. And yet what happened against the Cincinnati Bengals last year in Arrowhead, an absolute meltdown in the second half. It felt like a, a stain on his resume so here we go. Here's his chance to get revenge against the Cincinnati Bengals <laughs> at Arrowhead again. But things feel different now, Greggy, because Cincinnati is no longer the, the plucky upstart. They're the team that, A, has been awesome for about three straight months now. B, has the quarterback that I think everyone is starting to realize might be ready to take over the entire league for a decade. And C, have owned the Chiefs for about a year plus in head-to-head matchups, including, obviously, last year's title game. And Mahomes has a bad ankle. It's all great points. Like, I think the Bengals are favored for a reason. I think they're a little bit better of a team overall than the Chiefs. And then you throw in Mahomes' ankle injury. It's the ultimate test of, like, what have they learned since that game a year ago? Can Mahomes be patient enough on offense? Can they create big plays with this new group? Uh, Can they not, you know, fall apart and and be able to respond to Lou Anamaruno's adjustments during the games? And I think with the injury, it's so interesting because I think of Mahomes and Reed going into this game thinking, okay, maybe he's not going to have his total mobility. Even if he's feeling good this week, is it kind of like an artist? Okay. That this could go either direction. That has <laughs> some of their greatest work potentially when you have to put limitations on that art. Oh. Like sometimes you make up a structure and sort of rules in that, okay, we can only do this. We're not going to rely on this, but we can rely on him getting rid of the ball quickly. We can rely on a great offensive line, which is better at run blocking, a really good running game, which is third in the league in DVOA since that last Bengals game ran well against them. Screens, which they've been great at, and still Mahomes using what he can do since he first got to the AFC championship winning before the snap and, and will they like kind of whittle down who they are? And maybe that'll make that like a, a more memorable performance. I think it's possible. I think it's, it's very possible. I mean, number one, it, you know, it people at practice, the chiefs themselves, he's practicing in full and he doesn't seem to be limited or looking like the way he did against Jacksonville, where he was literally hobbling around. So he just heals differently than other players and other quarterbacks too, which is great. But Andy Reid also said, different. Andy Reid said like, <laughs> we've got 300 plus plays for Patrick Mahomes to operate inside the tackle box, that there's a lot they can do. And I think they're built in a way with guys like Isaiah Pacheco right now and Jarek McKinnon and Juju Smith-Schuster, where you can, uh, you can succeed in the quick game against a defense that 
with Luana Rumo, like Mahomes said, every single time these last three matchups, when we've dealt with the Bengals, Anna Rumo, Captain Lou has completely changed what they've done on defense. There's been nothing to take from game to game. And Captain Lou is a guy that at halftime <laughs> is making massive adjustments. And I think that they've kept the because if you look at that first half against the Bengals in that AFC championship game, Mahomes was like 18 for 21 and looking great. They were up 21 three with two right. minutes ago in the I mean, first it, half. But then year. everything, then the Bengals went and one. did what they do. And like Mahomes struggled mightily in the second half. So I think the X factor is the creativity of Cincinnati's defense, um, a defense that's been awesome in the red zone of late. They are taking the ball away, and they really don't have a massive weakness. And I think that you gotta you got to like this idea that Joe Tooney is back in this game, which he wasn't when they played in December. That's big against the Bengals' pass rush that could cause havoc if Mahomes is more limited than we think and stuck inside the tackle box more. And he could be practicing in full right now. This is all, in some level, could be gamesmanship as well as these teams are preparing for this biggest game of the season. But I think we said it earlier in the week, you don't really know what's going to happen with Mahomes until he's actually playing on the field, sprinting out of the pocket to evade the rush at full speed, sliding down, being dragged on a tackle out of bounds. Mm -hmm. It is certainly within the realm of possibilities that he ends up on the sideline and Chad Henney plays extended snaps. And then then how do you feel about the Chiefs? This was a good stat. (laughs) Very good. No, No. that's what I mean. (laughs) It's very like we can all like, and this is how the Chiefs are, are looking at things or publicly facing on this. Oh, Pat's okay. I keep on calling him Pat. That was his dad. Mahomes is okay. Um, you know, he's going to play. He's practicing in full. We're ready to roll. Well, we shall see. According to Next Gen Stats, <clears throat> and we all know part of Mahomes' greatness is his ability to make plays off platform, to scramble, keep his eyes upfield, those crazy throws that only Mahomes can make. He completed just one of two throws outside the pocket in the second half against Jacksonville. He led the NFL with 117 throws from outside the pocket during the regular season. Can he be that guy? Because that's what separates him from so many people, in my opinion. I'm sure he's a great pocket passer as well. He's Patrick Mahomes. But what makes him otherworldly is that ability to do it all. He had the most touchdowns inside the tackle box, too. But to your point about the outside the box like throws. He had the second most attempts on the run. It's a big part of his game. And his mobility became a big part of his game this year too. So it's like if the you scrambling don't, is a part absolutely, of his game. I think yes. he elevated that this season was the one thing that was maybe the best aspect of him improving this year. I, when I look at Mahomes though, I just kind of feel like when you pair him with Andy Reid, when Andy Reid's saying we've got hundreds of options and things we can do and you're built a little differently this year and I think that guys like Jarek McKinnon are set up to help you if you're limited in where you can throw the ball from. I, I think that's right. And we'll get to the Bengals offense, but I am can, you know, curious how Anna Marumo, Anna Rumo, just say Captain Lou, it's easy. Captain Anna Rumo attacks him because I think that is what's made this Bengals defense so good. I think they're the better defense in this game. They change what they do, snap to snap, drive to drive, quarter to quarter, game to game. They, they feel very Belichickian in their way in that they have great continuity, guys who really know what their roles are and they can really shape shift. Now, will he send more pressure? Not something he does a ton because Mahomes is stuck there in the pocket. Yeah, I think he can win from the pocket, but can't even move well inside the pocket. He did okay last week and the signs are good that he, he could do it this week uh, where he did move around a little bit. But do you send a little more heat to try to get the ball out quicker? Do the Chiefs really lean into that running game? Do the thing that like everyone always is asking Andy Reid to do more because they ran the ball incredibly well the first time they played the Bengals. 
They ran the ball incredibly well last week. They were 12 for 96 running the ball in the first half of that game. Like I I mentioned before, third in rushing efficiency since week 13. They've got these Mm. guys up front who are maulers, and I think it's a really key matchup. You mentioned Tooney. You have Creed Humphrey, who's been an all-pro now in in his second year. Uh, It's a very good line. Do they lean on that? It's a big matchup between like DJ Reader, who's been good for the the Bengals, and Tupu, who's been pretty good up front. Like, can you get that win? Because I do worry a little bit if he's standing back there that Trey Hendrickson has a mismatch against Andrew Wiley, can get some heat quickly, and I I don't think that's going to be good. And, with and only Dak Prescott has more interceptions than Patrick Mahomes under pressure, and Mahomes' mm. numbers tumble under pressure. So a guy like Trey Hendrickson is massive in this matchup, but I do think Joe Tooney who is about as good as you find along any offensive line. Getting him back is a huge difference. But Isaiah Pacheco's trending in a way where, like, he had his best game last week. It's like these guys are growing. Guys in their offense, like Kadarius, Tony, and Pacheco, are, like, becoming a bigger factor and more of a thing. And I think, you know, people out there that study this Chiefs offense think they're going to run a ton of 12 personnel this week to help get two tight ends in there, protect Mahomes, a lot of quick throws, and try to counter that pass rush. Yeah, and well, that's when Captain Lou comes in because then you can, and there's no, remember, they have done an amazing job adjusting post-Tyreek, but now you don't have that guy necessarily that you could just, you know, blow the top off a defense that is creeping up to the line and playing everything short. It changes what they can do. Um, And at some point, I think you're going to have to see Mahomes challenge them downfield if that's how they're going to play the game to try to protect him in the pass rush. Um, On the Cincinnati side of the ball, when they are on offense and they are opening up lanes for Joe Mixon, it's over. Because Mm -hmm. when you add that element to their game as they did against the Bills, there's just no way to stop them because Burrow is so great and so locked in and his receivers – um, obviously with Chase and Higgins and Boyd, but like Hayden Hurst is a really good fit with this team. If you are mixing in the run as they did and, and Mixon had 105 yards on 20 carries in that game, it's a wrap. So it's like the Chiefs need to find a way to make the Bengals one-dimensional and put them in a situation where, and this is where they're a tough matchup because it's like I think the key to the Chiefs winning is make Burrow pass the ball 50 times but then Joe Burrow's passing the ball 50 times and bad things can happen there. <laughs> right. But it's that balance that makes the, the Cincinnati offense unstoppable. I mean, and when they played last time, and I take as much from this past game as the AFC Championship game because the Chiefs are a completely different team in a lot of ways. Uh, but Burrow threw the ball 31 times with six incompletions. They didn't have Joe Mixon. That was the Samaje Pirine day where he had 150 total yards, caught six passes, ran the ball really well. And it kind of, that was the one of they the games. They kind of dared Pirine to beat them and he yeah, did. And he did. It kind of showed me like this Bengals team, like even when they're missing guys, they're as resilient as any team in the AFC and they find guys behind the guys to like come up and produce. And that happened in that game. And to me, it's like, I think Burrow like I'll, I, I take away two things from last week. Like you have a totally banged up line that we talked about all last Thursday preview show as it might spell doom for Burrow. Instead, he had like the lowest pressure rate he's had in a game all year because this line somehow played out of its mind. It was insane. And secondly, Burrow's in the middle of a snowstorm in Buffalo and it seemed like he, it had zero emotional effect on him. I don't think he cares if he's playing in Kansas City, Cincinnati, Buffalo or the Arctic. He's like, I'm Joe Burrow. I'm going to go do what I do. And they seem kind of Teflon to the environment they're in. I I totally agree. I think both of these offenses are 
so much better. It's an offensive league than the defenses that there's not going to be a lot of stops in this game, assuming, you know, Mahomes is healthy enough. And I, I don't have that much worry about it. I, I, I'm with you, Dan. You never know what's going to happen. But ultimately, I'm expecting there to be very few stops in this game. Maybe you'll have some turnovers, but I think it'll be like these last three games, which... You know, Bengals have found a way to make all the big plays that has to give them great confidence, but they all came down to the last second. They were all three-point games. You know, the, the Chiefs probably would have taken the lead there if Kelsey hadn't forced the fumble, and those are the types of big play- or fumbled the ball late in that game. W- with Burrow, like, they were determined to take away the big play when they played in Week 13. The Chiefs were. It was the Chiefs who hit all the big plays down the field, and it didn't matter. The Bengals didn't have one big play, literally nothing 20 yards down the field in that entire game, and yet they could run the ball so well against them. I think the running games for both teams are key. Burrow ran the ball more in that game than than any game this year. He ran it well last week uh, uh, as well. He had some design runs. Like I think his legs are, are absolutely crucial, and when it came down to it, they were just kind of like, T. Higgins and Jamar Chase are huge. You're putting Trent McDuffie and Legarius Sneed and these smaller cornerbacks like, oh, yeah, you guys are really tough. Like, try to stop us on our, like, in-breaking routes, like these slants and these little over routes on third down. Just try to stop us because they weren't even that open and they just kept hitting him over and over. That's kind of what stands out to me with this matchup is, like, ultimately Higgins and Chase are just bigger than those Chiefs dudes and they don't have to be open. And you know Joe Burrow is not afraid to make those throws. So, and I'm that offensive line in front of Burrow, Jonah Williams not practicing. Um, so he's probably out again. Alex Kappa did not practice uh, on Wednesday. I'm not sure about Thursday. Uh, that seems like a same situation. So they're going to run back most likely the line that succeeded so much in the divisional playoffs. But this is now a different opponent. We talked about it a lot about Buffalo and how much they missed Von Miller and didn't really have a big dog to go get the quarterback. Well, there is a dog on the Chiefs. Uh, his name is Chris Jones. You got Frank Clark there. Karloff, this is there. And it's just like, that's another part of this. Like the assumption now, I would say it would be a little bit misleading to just assume now the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line is now set and fine. I agree. <laughs> Better defense, uh, 55 sacks for the Chiefs this year, which was t- tied for second in the league. They're not out of the woods yet in terms of their ability to protect the quarterback. And run the football. Chris Jones was not a factor in that week 13 game. I think that could completely change here. And I I think you're right, because it's like, if anything, we're surprised that the line dominated. Buffalo just felt like they were at the end of the line, end of the road. And and they were completely dominated by Cincinnati's offensive line, which has to be the most surprising thing that's happened in the playoffs. Do you just assume that's happening two weeks in a row? I don't think so. I mean, but it's a big game for Steve Spagnuolo, too, to like create chaos and confusion for Joe season, though. It, I never doubt is, Spags but, but in January. It, it, wasn't last, season. it wasn't last year, though. <laughs> no, and Not it wasn't in the Bill- Joe Burrow. Right, and it wasn't against the Bills either, to be fair. The Chiefs defense does have a remarkable ability to look meh for two and a half months and then play their best football at the end of the season. And the yeah. numbers all say that's happened again this season, that they were pretty bad for a while. And in the last month and a half, they've been like a top 10-ish, you know, good enough defense. Clark and Karloftis and Dunlap, their edge rushers, I, I, I think you're right to point them out, are, are huge in this game. They, they did not do anything last week. That was a little concerning. I would say they were a little bit of a weakness uh, against Jacksonville. Chris Jones did his normal thing. You mentioned how they didn't do anything the last time they, they played the Bengals. So I, I think they have to show up because pressure, oh, yeah. just like sacks is a quarterback stats, pressure can be too. I think Joe mm-hmm. Burrow was good getting rid of the ball 
quickly and moving in the pocket to to avoid pressure. All right, let's pick this game. I don't know. Mark. Uh, I I'm going Bengals. I'm going Bengals. Uh, I hate, I feel like I always do this, but I think this game is an overtime uh, thriller that comes down to a field goal. I'm going to say 30 to 27. I feel like 80% of your predictions are overtime predictions. Well, it, that is, that's why I, 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 I tagged it with that. But, I, but Bengals Chiefs feels like it's just heading in that direction. I'd be really surprised if this was anything more than like three or four point difference between the teams. Well, it's, it's really crazy. What's the score? I had 30 to 27 in overtime, which nice. means the Bengals uh, kicked a field goal in up. overtime. It like was uh, the Chiefs started this game or this uh, line as the favorite. Can I just one more correction yeah. to Mark? Yeah. Um, the Chiefs could have won the overtime coin toss, kicked a field goal. Then the Bengals get the ball back and score a touchdown. You're right. But not in my in my reality. The right, narrative right, right, I've created, it's, right. a, it's a field goal. That you're right, Just though. Like, Mathematically, that could Has that, like, <laughs> ever happened, by the way? Really, it doesn't feel like how it normally goes. I want that to happen. That <laughs> Just would be, different, you know, patterns. The world. Go ahead, Greg. So the, the Chiefs started as the favorite. Everyone kind of jumped on the Bengals because of the, the ankle thing. And the Bengals have been great. And the Bengals became the favorite. Mm-hmm. And now, late in the week, with this, like, positive Mahomes news... Mm-hmm. Enough people have jumped back where the Chiefs are now. A one point favorite. Group thing. Something. Well, or the desert has more power than people realize. You know, just money's flying around around this game. It's got a lot of power. Well, what do you? What does that even mean? I don't know. Just some of the you know the way things are reported, the way things are amplified. The people they're very powerful. These people in the desert. Oh yeah, you're right. Ultimately, like if the if the they want more money involved. Right. If the number's under three, it's kind of just like you're picking the winner. Essentially, it'd it'd be pretty weird to to get underneath the number. You're picking the winner, and now as the week goes on, I I'm like affected by that. Seeing Mahomes out there and just like seeing him run around, you're like, okay, put that to the side. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this Bengals team, we've been on a journey with them Mm -hmm. throughout last Mm -hmm. postseason, week after week. Mm -hmm. Mark and I picking the Bengals, Dan pushing back against mm-hmm. us. Well, not exactly. I mean, pretty much. That's, pushing that's, back, that's against, strong, pushing back against Close to exact. Ahead. Even in the Super Bowl. You <laughs> well, know? that was to win a lock title, which but I But you did. didn't even make the choice. You if let you guys... Mark make his choice. You you absconded well, Did from I that really choice. do that? Yeah. Wow, what a move by me. That was... Uh, that is awesome. Devilish. That is, that's a showman why, why, move. Why are we... Down this in this corner. I don't know. Back where Dan is just he, he brought me up. praising it's, himself <laughs> and some like it's got to happen. Oh, no, I took a shot. He, he, wait, he with everything on the line, I said I'm standing out of the way. Mark picked yes, the champion because you had been on a losing streak. And I'll pick streak. the other one. That's yes. unbelievable you, showmanship. You, yeah, but you were getting you were, you had <laughs> so one of the biggest fades down the stretch of all time. So I, I don't think know. You the trophy is in and yeah, in my. You were hesitant. Somebody, you, like, hey, you were a, hesitant to make the tip. It's a La Magnifico. Sure, sure, sure. Fee, without even making a choice. Unbelievable. In your world, let it be that. This, Unbelievable. This uh, this Bengals team, though, with with the Wesleyan brothers rooting them on, with a, a guy who just doesn't seem to know how to lose or play poorly in the biggest moments in Joe Burrow, and yes, with a better coaching staff, because I think Lou Anarumo, Captain Lou. Captain Lou is the difference here, and uh, I am taking the Bengals to win this game. Score? Is he gonna? Pew, pew, ow! He's like, he's like, oh, he's like, I better change my uh, polo. <laughs> Uh, I don't know what score I put online. I try to keep it consistent. 30 to 27, I believe, was it. I think it will uh, be plenty of points, plenty of entertainment. It's, overtime? It's the late game. It's not overtime. And uh, and I picked the Bengals. But I have not 
locking up the Bengals because I just want to watch this game. I know this is like a silly way to choose between the two, but um, I, I don't want the stress of it. I just want to watch like, I mean, a great game. This, I think the Bengals will win, but I don't feel confident about this anyone. Is one of the reasons, this, this is one of the reasons I jumped out of the Giants lock yeah. last week because I wanted Greg to really sweat it out one more week. He yeah. might take it home. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm on a, now I'm very much in a defensive posture in terms of the lock battle. Once again, yeah, you could you could show some chutzpah, though. And what? And, and lock up the Bengals here. Wait, he's, I think he's going to lock up no, against you, I though. Have to lock up, I yeah. have to play it the right way, Greg. Well, you could just have integrity and pick the team don't, that you want to win. Don't hit me with the win. integrity what, thing. What, what are we just doing here? Calm down. Because you were telling me earlier in the week, you have the Bengals first in power rank, because I just remember yes. that. Chiefs fourth. The Bengals are my pick in this game. Okay. Absolutely. I don't think the Bengals lose again this season. I don't think Joe Burrow loses until, like, next September or October. So I will pick them to win this game. You thought they'd lose last week. Not really. I just I said thirty one thirty. Yes, I did. Greg is like a little dog, like biting at your ankle as you're just attempting to just do your thing. Just shut up. Cincinnati. Not only are you going to win this game, I think they'll win it resoundingly. Like going away. Almost sounds like it would be lock worthy. Thirty four seventeen. Truly believed in it. Thirty four seventeen. Will you ever stop talking, Greg? So you you just view the Chiefs as. Like the Bills a little bit, they can't match up, and they've come just to the end of their journey. It's going to be. I was that. hoping. I was really. Yeah. I was. I was. I love this. I think that's that's. I would have locked the Chiefs if you lock the Bengals because I I want to play it the way that's the most direct way to play the game. Uh, mm. But we'll lock the other game, and I'll I'll take the Niners probably, and that'll be it. What's up? Somebody's locking this game. Yeah, Grave oh, Diggers. I think we know. Wait, who is even talking right now? Hello, heroes. <laughs> if I look a little somber right now. Because we were officially eliminated last week. Ooh. <laughs> it's okay. We conducted ourselves with honor and integrity throughout. We took tough games throughout. Unlike the guy who's in the lead, he <gasps> takes the six and a half point favorite every week. Bite the ankles. Or we get in the playoffs and he takes the ten point favorite every week. Oh, Greggy. That's okay. It's, it's well within the rules that he created. <laughs> I can look in the mirror or this video right now and say, hey, I'm proud of what we did. I'm wondering if that guy can do the same. Oof. Onward and upward. It's not going to be any secret who we take this week. I said the, the Bengals were going to ride Joe Burrow's arm all the way to the Super Bowl, and they're going to do it again. All the talks about Mahomes' ankle, it's not going to matter, healthy or not. The Bengals take care of business. Joe Burrow puts up some good numbers. They win this game relatively easily. Mm. I say 10 points. Lock that up. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, well done. Yeah, it was why I was tempted to lock up the Bengals, just uh, for the look in the mirror factor that I knew Dan didn't believe in it, and I would just force him into a I, terrible situation where you're you're showing who you are. But that seems like a, a silly way to play this game to make you feel I feel like you're a little bit on tilt with the locks right now. You're just all over the place on things. Hey, I, you came out of that with like a two-minute-long self-commentary. What about what Nick did? Like, <laughs> oh, well, Nick's thing is ridiculous. But I, love, I love Nick needling you, to be honest, because it reminds me so much of Chris Wessling, Wes, yeah. because the first time I ever met Nick and the brothers, they were like, just, get, just go get Chris and Nick to debate like LeBron James versus Michael Jordan. And like an hour later, they were shouting at each other, like with beers <laughs> in their hands. It was like, Nick's the same way. Um, it's not letting you get away with it, Greg. There you go. So yes, I'm with, I'm with you on that, Nick. Let's go Bengals to the Super Bowl. 
Let's take a break and we'll hit the other side. Welcome back. Before we get to the NFC title game tilt, little halftime. Let's get caught up on the news around the league. Let's start with, oh, a hire, a hire involving a team I know. Uh, the New York Jets end their two-week search for an offensive coordinator hiring former Denver Broncos coach. How did that go? Nathaniel Hackett on Thursday. Uh, Hackett, obviously, before the Broncos Inferno was with Green Bay and had a good relationship with Aaron Rodgers. So this only now fuels the growing like kind of fire around Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. Interesting. Hackett, Mark, replaces Mike LaFleur, who got canned after the Jets went in the tank um, at the end of the season. And now Hackett has a chance to kind of quickly build his career back up. Or, you know, he's in a pretty vulnerable position here, too, because the Jets coaching staff is in a very vulnerable place now entering mm. 2023. I, I really like the hire. And like I, this, this is the kind of thing that I just I'm going to log off of Twitter because there's so many. Uh, lines lines of humor around Nathaniel Hackett at this now, point. Now imagine my Twitter mentions right no, now. No, I know, I know, <laughs> I know. I'm not, I'm not going through the same, you know, issues that you are, Dan. I understand that, but I'm trying to tell you, I think it's a good hire for the Jets. And like, I think of what Nathaniel Hackett did with that surging Jaguars team that went deep into the playoffs you know, half a decade ago, and the work he did in Green Bay, and the fact that like when you go back to like the earlier roots of him being recruited by Denver, there was a lot of racket and noise around maybe Aaron Rodgers going there. And I think that Aaron Rodgers is very pro Nathaniel Hackett. And the Jets basically, Salah said today, we are getting a veteran quarterback. Nope. Fine. Maybe it's Derek Carr. That was an interesting quote. I guess yeah, they well, have to. But well, yeah. but I think, Russell I think Wilson. It's, Holy. Uh, right. It's, very well, exciting. You won't be going for Russell Wilson, but I mean, it connects the dots. Maybe it, it's a selling point for Aaron so Rodgers, sweet. at least, because it would be a familiar offense for him. It would be a familiar everything. And so I, I kind of think that has to be a little part of the swing for the fences aspect of this. But beyond that, I think he's a good play caller. He just was overhired. Is, Peter, I guess like is he, though, like the, the concern I would have is he's from the same offensive tree as Matt LaFleur and like doesn't have a better track record necessarily. Didn't call plays in Green Bay, called it in Buffalo and Jacksonville. I would say those offenses were mediocre on average. Yeah, but he maximized that Jacksonville offense in a really creative way. He he was there three years. They had a great year running the ball when they made it, and they they were terrible the other two years. Like not not just like average, terrible. And they were okay in Buffalo. They were like okay. They were in the middle of the pack. So he doesn't like bring you an immediate idea that he has a schematic advantage. I think what he brings you is like everyone who's ever worked with Nathaniel Hackett loves the dude. Says he's like great at leading guys and building like the relationships and all that. But there's no reason to think that he's going to be like better than Matt LaFleur. Hopefully he's just the same. Right? He's better quarterback luck to start with to be better than anyone. Right. I think like what you've said in the past, Greg, about head coaches and there's, you know, five or six really good ones and then five or six really terrible ones. And then there's a, a middle. I think you could say probably the same thing about play callers. Probably. Um, yeah. And that's where I come down on this hire. Now, what Mark was alluding to immediately, there's this this urge. And I don't even get mad at it because I understand if I wasn't a Jets fan, they're a fun team to dunk on just because they're kind of a comedy of errors and a folly squad for 50 years or whatever. So it's like this guy that got fired by the Broncos and was completely incompetent. Now they hire him to in a desperate attempt to get Aaron Rodgers. Like, I get it. Have fun with it. Go run off and play. Um, my feeling on it is like Hackett 
is in that big grouping of OCs that he will look as good as the quarterback is at the end of the day. And if the Jets do not bring in a competent quarterback, he will look bad and probably will get fired with everyone else at the end of the year. And if the Jets bring in a, a good quarterback or even a Hall of Fame level quarterback, he will probably look really good and it will be seem it will seem like a good hire and the Jets will be in the playoffs next year. So this isn't this story is not finished for me. I need to see who the QB is. Do I think we're getting more and more smoke around this Aaron Rodgers thing? Yeah, I, I really think this is a real possibility. I talked about it a little bit in the last show that this felt like something Woody Johnson would do. He did something exactly like this 15 years ago with Brett Favre, which, by the way, went better than a lot of people remember. Started out Before really well. he got injured, he was 8-3. and three. They were really in good position in the AFC. And then he got hurt and tried to play through it to keep his consecutive game streak going. And then the team cr- uh, tanked. And then he went to Minnesota and he was an MVP level guy again. I think it, this is a no doubter of a move the Jets should make at this point as long as long as they don't mortgage their future for Aaron Rodgers. It's a tricky balance. But I do like the idea of Rodgers and Hackett together with the rest of this we, roster. By the way, that is big news out of New York. We have bigger news. No! Breaking news. Let's hear it. Out of Carolina where the Panthers are hiring former Colts coach Frank Reich as their new head coach. Like Didn't it. take him long. Good hire. Yeah. I like it. I, I I liked Frank Reich of all the coaches who just lost their job in this I cycle. I love real breaking news on the show. Getting a yeah, second it was perfect chance. timing. You know what happens to us? Sometimes we log off. We're, we're like eight minutes into driving home, and then bang, this happens. And it's like, what do we do then, Greg? I uh, think he's one of those coaches as a play caller uh-huh. who makes a difference. I don't know if he's changing the world as a head coach. He's not going to just make them magical. But I believe he is an excellent play caller with the right pieces around him. You can have a top 10 offense with Frank Reich That's kind of the building the guy. So yeah, building the group. when they because the jet search was endless and Frank Reich was somebody like I would love if they got Frank Reich. But Frank Reich deserved another head coach job. And he gets one with Carolina. Uh, you know, tough luck for Steve Wilkes, who did a nice job there. He'll catch on somewhere, maybe not as a head coach at first, but um, that's a big step for the Panthers, who have had major issues getting their offense back online ever since Cam Newton's shoulder went. Um, I don't know what they're going to do at QB. I assume they're going to go through the draft. They have a high draft pick. Maybe they will go in down the road of trying to bring in Well, they will uh, absolutely a get quarterback. a veteran because um, Sam Darnold's a free agent. Uh, right. They need to get someone. They need mm. to make – and they, we know they have a pretty good defense too. So it's just like what is the path that they take with Reich? Uh, might be a good move to take a quarterback high. Maybe they target a, a, a car Garoppolo type. And they could improve a lot in a division that's obviously wide. I mean, open. Reich reminds me of Hack in the sense that, like, he sunk out of there because he didn't have a quarterback either. And you've got to find one in Carolina. They went after Matthew Stafford, didn't happen. They investigated the idea of getting Deshaun Watson, didn't happen. Tepper, the owner, absolutely is he seeking someone. I don't know if you want it. I don't know where you're gonna where you're gonna be with the rookie class by the time they pick, but they. They have leverage on that front, and uh, I just don't love the veteran class outside Aaron Rodgers. So I just I don't I don't know if you sign. I, I'm I know I'm lower on Derek Carr than other people, but like Frank Reich needs someone that can take a little of the heat off him because well, there's not going to be like a magical name that pops up. There that isn't. You're just like that's it. That's the great guy. You know, it it's going to be a Jimmy G or a Derek Carr or a Geno if he ever left or someone in the draft. But they chose to pass on Justin Fields and Mac Jones a couple of years ago, and. They're not as high, obviously, uh, anymore, right? What, what are they drafting? Like, they would be in the mix for, like, the third quarterback drafted, 
potentially, but or that's they can about make it. a move up move to up. get him. Yeah, they're at nine. And maybe what they Somewhere. maybe they'll end up doing what the Jets probably should have done uh, a couple of years ago and kept Sam Darnold and then just draft the guy high and then put the rookie in after a few weeks or half a season or a year. That's another way they could play it. As long as you give Reich the rope to build the program here, um, I think they'll be in good hands. I'd love to see them keep Wilkes as defensive coordinator if he doesn't get a head coaching job. I know you always come in he and you won't want to. I know, though, but you just clean think. the whole staff out. But it's like my guess is just. He really felt like he wanted that job. I think he'll want a fresh start with over someone that he that didn't pick him basically. Right. Yeah. Exactly. The Jets, by the way, had the same record as Carolina. There was six teams at seven and ten, hmm. and the Jets hmm. picked last out of them because they had the hardest schedule. It's one of the smallest points that bothers Stupid. me the most. I think it should be flipped. If you have the totally hardest strength to schedule, the Jets should be the team picking eighth. That's a big difference. That's the difference eighth and thirteenth. What is crazy. even the argument for doing it that way? That well, seems the idea is like if, to me. if you they're better. Had their, yeah, that they're yeah. the Jets are better than the Falcons because they played a harder I mean, schedule. But that's on. I don't something. I don't like stuff like this me. in sports where it, like it catches all of us mentally. We're like, wait, that doesn't make sense, but it still rages well, on. I mean, I'm a Jets fan and it does kind of make sense. The idea of the draft is to help replenish the worst teams and get them back on their feet. Uh, I know you guys are bigger Falcons fans than me, but the Falcons kind of stink. Uh, whereas the Jets, we, everyone's talking about the same thing. They're a quarterback and a couple of things away yeah. from being a contender. I get it. I just wish it was the other way around. In this case specifically, I'd go. I'd go like ping pong ball lottery in that move. Yeah, I like some lottery. Turn it into some, like yeah. a twelve week long event. Let's do ping pong balls. Uh, in other news, let's quickly hit this before we get to the NFC title game. The uh, award finalists have been announced for the all those AP awards. Um, I always found that kind of strange. It's like the Associated Press's end of season awards as opposed to just a standalone NFL event, but it's essentially a partnership. Yeah. And it's recognized by the league as the awards. So we'll start with the most valuable player. Here are the finalists for most valuable player. And Greggy will tell you all about it because he is super plugged in on this type of highly esoteric football. It's not that stuff. esoteric. We spend a whole offseason episode talking just MVP. MVP. What? How did they change oh. the voting? There are five finalists: yes, Josh yes. Allen, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, Justin Jefferson. <laughs> got a lot of vine- you got a lot of vinegar, pee and vinegar in you today, Greggy. I like it. <laughs> Maybe it, I don't know why. I don't know why. Maybe it was the call we I got right before, right before uh, we started taping that the day after <laughs> Walker, my son, gleefully told me that his friend had faked being sick. That suddenly he wakes up with a cough today and then leaves school in the oh. middle of school. I think he's learning from his friend. I don't like it. I hate when or the kids have sentience. Or he's actually <laughs> ill and then the he's gotten you ill and now you're sitting two feet, well, a space between us and you. He's so, probably faking it. I think he's faking yeah. it. Well, that's a good. I think that's as a kid. I guess it's it, better than him being sick. It, it's no, but it's a good skill to learn. <laughs> I think it's, it's a good thing to learn. It's a good thing to learn. The, this year, finally, they're ranking top five MVP candidates, which I think is cool. So, so if you have a vote, you rank one right. through five, and, and the it's points not all are, AP yes. writers. It's uh, a wide swath of different writers from different companies. Some a lot of local writers, but also national writers. I know. Uh, our, Why is it called AP then? Well, they organize it. They they send it out. Doesn't this they, feel like something we need it, to clean up? It just, just feels a little like, bit. It, like it probably won't be the case five years. Streamline this a little yeah. bit. Our friend uh, Mina Kimes, who was on this show, she got a vote before the season. She has a vote now, which is so cool. She so she ranks cool. the top five, and then yeah, it turned into. Did you say the names? I you did. did. Alan oh, okay. Burrow, Hurts, Jefferson, Mahomes. 
It's exactly who you would expect. Although Jefferson yeah. being fifth, I, I feel like is is nice. That's why I like the ranked voting that Jefferson even sure. gets on this yeah, list. Cool. I should be on it. I think it. Uh, if, and if I would have had him third, I would say the you know who really likes this ultimately is the the union, and it's good for contract negotiations for Justin Jefferson to go to the Vikings, and be like, oh, I was an MVP finalist. Yeah. The problem is we yourself. know who won the award because they already released <laughs> the AP uh, All Pro teams. It's the exact same people voting for the award. And Patrick Mahomes got 49 out of 50 votes uh, at quarterback. Hmm. It's very safe to say he is the 2023 right. so MVP. But by that logic, we can kind of roll through yeah, some sure, of these other ones, I'm sure right? The, people uh, the other ones are a little... Yeah, you're right. Defensive player of the year should be... Uh, I'm sure the people at NFL Honors are thrilled, Greg, that you just basically pulled the entire... uh, I mean, the information's all out there publicly. I'm just connecting dots. I said Greg would have this esoteric knowledge, and he's decoding the whole thing for us. I like it. It it gives us a little step on the competition. Although, yes, NFL Honors, which will be Thursday, February 9th, in the Super Bowl city of Glendale or the Phoenix area. Um, really only one award we know for they're sure. They're not going to be MVP. happy that we're the spoiling re- this. The basically. rest of them, you can't really let's, figure out. Let's just keep spoiling. The AP Defensive Player of the Year is Nick Bosa, Chris Jones, Micah Parsons. We know it won't be Parsons because Bosa He's was second over team. Parsons uh, in All-Pro. But Chris Jones, you never know. But I, oh, I think so it's not going to be Chris Jones. I think we know. Do they vote like the same week as they vote? It's the exact same ballot. Oh. You just send it all in together. This is yeah. That is Nick Bosa, or cracked. I'm totally stunned. It's going to be Nick Bosa. Parsons, I think, will get actually a decent amount of votes, but he's not because he did it in the All Pro too. But he won't get the it. The AP Offensive Player of the Year: Tyreek Hill, Dolphins wide receiver; Jalen Hurts, Justin Jefferson, Patrick Mahomes. And if Patrick Mahomes was the 49 to 50 ballots, the first team All Pro quarterback, obviously he'll win this too, right? Well, this is why I hate this award. No, because a lot of people split it and try to give something to someone else. But so it's, it's I kind of like, think it's going to be Jefferson. It's director of the year and film of the year. They find a way to give everyone a little Yeah, it's love. like we it's, gave Mahomes MVP. Let's give Jefferson. I mean, I feel like we've had this conversation yeah, before. Times. Just call it yeah. the non-quarterback offensive right, player of the year. Just take the QBs out. these quarterbacks out of here. Right. And then if that's the case, it's Jefferson or Hill, and I'll go Jefferson. It could even be Hurts. They might. Who knows? Who knows? AP Offensive Rookie of the Year, Brock Purdy. Interesting, Brock Purdy. He only started six games. Uh, you know what? I think the most Five absurd games? thing out there right now is people saying that he shouldn't. He is my rookie of the year without any question. He's playing the toughest position in all of sports. He's undefeated. He's totally thrived. The playoffs He's don't going, count. They voted before well, I don't that, care if it's yeah. the playoffs or not, but I don't because he didn't play as many games as like Kenneth Walker. I just don't care. Brock Purdy, Kenneth Walker, Garrett Wilson. I care, and I think and hope it will be Wilson. I would have gone Wilson or Olave. I mean, to me, they were better at their position even, too, than Purdy, and they played the whole season. I just I'd give so it to strongly disagree, but I, I get where people I mean, are coming from the other side. He played like, what, like 33% of the season? Right. That's not enough for me. I'm with you. That seems a problem, that's all. And I just Not to me. Well, that's where we disagree. I know, and guess that's what? I, I don't, have, to I don't have a vote, so it well, doesn't not matter. Not to a significant like, amount of voters. For him to be one of the three finalists, we know essentially he got votes, so he's, I think he's in that top It is three. like the best story happening. Like Garrett Wilson is fantastic, but there is no Garrett Wilson story to this season. At the other awards, you can vote you. top three. Well, uh, that's your top opinion. Five. AP Defensive Rookie of the Year, Sauce. Aiden Hutchinson, Tariq Woolen. If Sauce is a first-team all-pro cornerback... He has got to win this. I'll be very annoyed if Hutchinson wins this, which I feel like there's a bigger chance than people Because he had three interceptions. Just because, like, he's a bigger profile. (laughs) But I I think Sauce will probably do it. Sauce better win that. Um, Was Hutchinson all pro? 
No. Yeah, that, that's, 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 that's sauce. Wait, that's by sauce. your own logic, Greg, if Sauce was the first team all pro. Well, I get it, but they're not like competing against each other. I'm with you. I hope and, yeah. and I think that he will. AP, comeback player of the year. Another good competition this year. You got Saquads, who, by the way, Saquads, um, we got together with uh, Lakeisha last Thursday, and she shared that, uh, oh, our old friend Austin Knobloch. Remember Nobby? Yeah, we saw Nobby. Yeah. Love Nobby. LA Nobby. Times. Now with the LA Times, killing it over there. Used to be uh, work on the desk, running the show uh, for NFL Digital on the dot-com side. I learned um, that it was Austin Knobloch that coined Saquads. He created the nickname Saquads. Wow. He's an influential man. Or is it Saquad? I mean, I, <laughs> I think Saquad I'm makes not more saying sense. that's the first thing he'll be known for. Um, for the rest of his life. But it should be. It's in the mix. I mean, Put that on his good. Twitter profile. Remember, uh, his wife would bake incredible baked mm, goods, and he'd bring mm, them in, distribute the baked goods around the office. Unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. He brought something in last week. All right. McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey, Niners running back, and uh, Geno Smith. Give me a break. If it's not Geno, what are we doing? Comeback player of the year. I think Saquon ripping up his knees. You know. He belongs in this category. What is a comeback player of the year? I the think question. it's something different, obviously, every year. Blah, yeah, yeah, we get it with, you know, Philip Rivers. But Geno Smith is something that's nebulous. Ha- that's not happened in the entire time we've done this podcast. A player that literally was his career was was a, a laughing stock uh, content for everyone. And then he turns around and like blows everyone's metrics up and becomes one of the most valuable players in the entire league. And, and they were I laughing the at the whole. Story, we were so laughing at the whole thing. It. Yeah, I think part of it's story. It is too. nebulous. Compelling, compelling, Mark. Uh, but I believe it is Saquon Barkley. Oh, he's still holding <laughs> similar to the Gino agenda. I'm kind of surprised <laughs> that you that you if you actually think that that uh, that's how this will whether you think he's even the be, the be, the I'm actual. I'm just messing around. All right, I was gonna say because this is story I'm, it's driven. It's getting you fired up. So you know. it, a lot of these awards to me feel completely. <laughs> no, Gino absurd. is more than deserving of it. Yes, yeah. pretty similar to Tannehill, but Gino Smith's career was even more dead and gone. I think. I mean, Gino, but Tannehill continued Tannehill. to be a starter and flounder. And he was a joke, Gino. And he, was he was a joke. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, well, just the sense that, like, he got benched and Miami didn't want him and everyone thought, like, he's going to go be a career backup. And did Tannehill win the award? He did win yeah, the award. He did. Okay. Gino not only was a punchline, like he also 10. got punched. He did. MK. Or what is those? MK and Paul or whatever? MK and Polly. Yeah. And he's back. Finally, <clears throat> Coach of the Year, Brian Dable, Sean McDermott, Doug Peterson, Kyle Shanahan, Nick Sirianni. My vote is for Mr. Dable. How about you guys? Good that, one, though. Good category. I think that's who will get it. I think that's very story-driven, too. Um, it, he totally fits. I think he completely changed the Giants. All right, take uh, the story, whatever that means, I, out of it. Because you know Who's, what? Who, because who for me, this? I think this is the kind of thing where, like, in the years of old, like, why wasn't Bill Belichick just winning in every year? Right, but, but who's like, your pick? Kyle Shanahan, because he's he find another guy in this list who would be on this list. Has as much you, talent on his roster? I can't. With a second quarterback goes down, first quarterback goes down, your second quarterback goes down, and then your rookie of the year, in my book, Brock Purdy comes in, and he's rookie of the year because of Kyle Shanahan. Because I think the I know way who you're picking it. in the NFC title game. <laughs> Well, that shouldn't be a I mean, surprise. But I think Kyle Shanahan is, has gone through as much adversity he's a great at the coach. most important he's a position. Great coach. probably go Dable. But Dable, the Giants could have easily been 
a four and thirteen team under different leadership. Yeah, I think and I think I, they were last year under Joe Judge. I'm with you though, Mark. In, if I was like ranking them, I might have Sirianni second. Uh, and I think he hasn't gotten a lot. By the way, where Sirianni gets overlooked, he really where's does. Where's Dan Campbell? Yeah, yeah, he got. I, I mean, where's Pete Carroll? You're right. I would I would put those guys over Sirianni and Shanahan. Or well, what about like and over McDermott? Bar- yeah, Sean McDermott yeah. just like sort of just doing what we thought he'd do. But that, that again, yeah, that I think one that doesn't make if you have a great loaded roster, I ding you in this category. Give me the guys that make the most of a team people didn't really see as well. Relevant. Doug Peterson is a perfect fit for, yes, for to be could, in this category. Though. I would be totally fine yeah. with that as well. All right. Oh, Mark, this one's for you. Last one. Assistant coach of the year. Ben Johnson. So it's just like, I mean. You don't give Dan Campbell a nomination, but you give his OC one. Who's deserving? Ben did a great job over there. Right. Uh, D'Amico Ryans, who absolutely feels like he's going to win. This feels like it's D'Amico Ryan's season. Hmm. And Shane Steichen, Eagles OC. I feel I like mean, this is D'Amico's award. But. Yeah, I think D'Amico will win. I think I have no problem with that at all. Ben Johnson, uh, I kind of like when you, you're a guy that no one knew who you were a year ago, and then you changed you completely changed the arc of your career because of what you accomplished. And the lions have been unwatchable and anyone that made the lions watchable, Dan Campbell included needs to be on lists like this. Um, you know, it's kind of funny about Ben Johnson when Colleen and I did the hard knocks podcast, it was a running joke in the last three or four episodes that they only talked about Deuce Staley, uh, who was the assistant coach and, I think running backs coach. We never even saw the, who is the offense coordinator? We were looking it up and we were like, we need Ben Johnson to be on the radar for this show. Eventually he did show up here and there, but then became this like guy that is getting a ton of love and pop. Has he been getting interviews? Yes. He got one chair with Carolina and he then withdrew his name, I believe, but almost immediately before they even went through the process and said he wanted to stay in Detroit. But he did talk to a couple of teams, I think, on Zoom. I think that's so... Well, two things can happen. One, they, the Lions can go in the tank and suddenly no one's interviewing Ben Johnson again. But if you kind of view that you aren't ready yet to be a head coach, I think that takes some self-control mm-hmm. or you don't some like self-awareness. If the teams that are even expressing interest in you, if you're not really into yeah. the spots, I get that. Yeah. You can look at it both Man, you're a genius! <laughs> All right, let's... <laughs> Was that oh that who was it? Was that Goff? Amon Ra St. Brown talking about Ben. Mm. Yeah, we were super plugged in on Ben Johnson getting more pop on that show, and now he is getting pop. Congrats to all the nominees, and yes, check out NFL Honors the Thursday before the Super Bowl for blah 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 blah. All right, let's take a break (laughs) and we'll hit the NFC title game. All right, welcome back, and it's time now for the Sunday drive presented by Toyota, let's do it. NFC Championship game, the 49ers. When is the last? Let's play. <laughs> Greg's just pounding the table like a caveman. I like it. It's the, the guy game, loves it's ball. It's the game we wanted. This is a great. Guy this is a great. Ball. Absolutely. These two games. The uh, San Francisco 49ers have not lost since, let's see. Oh, my God. October 23rd, Yikes. 2022. And yet they are the underdog when they step on the field at the link to face the Eagles, who uh, Greggy were looking mighty against the Giants. Is there a chance in your mind? I'll get into it this way, that as dominant as the Eagles looked, there was a, a tiny bit of fool's gold because of the Giants being an overmatched foe contender at that stage of the playoffs. And it will never be that easy again. Or are the Eagles so good 
they are going to steamroll their next opponent as well. No, I don't think they're going to steamroll anyone. I think it was fool's gold. I don't think they're going to be overconfident because of it. Can I just say one thing? I don't mean fool's gold as in the Eagles. I don't think the Eagles are actually good. I just mean the fact that they looked like they were playing a Pop Warner uh, like team. Like a heightened performance. <laughs> like, are yeah. they, you know, not at that, Makes quite that level. Right. I like look at them and they, look, they had that same score against the Vikings in the NFC championship on their way to a Super Bowl. But to me, this will be much more like that Falcons game where they had to scratch and claw and barely win at the end if they can win. I don't know how anyone and and you and Nick might be right. Maybe the Bengals win going away. You guys seem very confident in that. I I have a hard time being confident in any result this weekend because I just think these both these teams are awesome. Picking against a team as talented as San Francisco is tough. That hasn't lost in that long is tough. So I when it's such a close matchup, I do think about the small margins. And I do think that's where Philadelphia can win this game. Four things, very quick. Aggressiveness, like going for it on fourth down and getting it. I I think the Eagles are the more likely team to do that. Short yardage situation, which you're in in fourth down. Eagles, one of the best teams practically ever in that situation. 49ers actually not that great in short yardage on either side of the ball this season. Wasting timeouts and like handing the clock management situation. I think Philadelphia's a little tighter in that. 49ers really waste a lot of timeouts. And then red zone, you look at the Eagles, they've been a great red zone team this year. Uh, The 49ers not quite as much on either side of the ball. So just like the little game management aggressiveness, coaching staff within the game might be the difference in a really tight game, but that's why I'm taking the Eagles. I took them to win the Super Bowl before the season. They've been my team. I'm not giving up on them now. Lock it up! <laughs> Man, you're Why wait till the end? Yeah, why wait for the end for that? Yeah. Sell it. I, like I love it. it. Um, Howie mother <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I love, I love the Eagles um, this week as well. And that's why with the lock competition, now I'm boxed in a corner a little bit. Um, they do make sense to me as a team um, that will keep winning based on what we saw. How does it go sideways for the Eagle? How do the Niners find a way uh, to beat this team that is so dominant in the trenches? It's a big test for your guy, Purdy, Mark, because I think the one thing that I took out of the win over the Cowboys is – now that you got Brock Purdy against an elite defense, all of a sudden it's not so easy anymore. There aren't guys running wide open and free five yards away from the next defender. And to Purdy's credit, he had has been tremendous this year as a ball distributor, getting the ball out quickly, making the right reads, avoiding mistakes. That is so uh, remarkable, really, for a seventh-round pick that's a third-string quarterback that entered the lineup in November or whatever. However... This is a different defense. It's It might even be better than the Dallas defense. Mm. And you have to contend with an absolutely ferocious pass rush that is going to speed up his clock and force him to make decisions quicker than he's had to make all season. And that's where I feel like they're most vulnerable. Not that Purdy is going to be exposed as a non-player or a guy that's not as good as people think. Uh, just that this matchup might be too much for this kid right now. Might be. I mean, I feel like we, you know, understandably have been saying that progressively each week. Well, this is the week when they're going to figure out Brock Purdy. I think the thing is, it's not all on Brock Purdy. Like he's surrounded by so many weapons and he's meshed with them so well. And that, you know, I thought Dallas really tested him last week in the first half. He was uncomfortable. They disguised coverages. Uh, He fell for some of that and worked his way out because I think the team around him helps you work your way out. I think there are little I, I love what you said, Greg, about like 
the little ways that Philly can win? Because I think Shanahan's still the guy that's going to kick a field goal when maybe you need to be doing something to be more aggressive. And that's sort of been his DNA. He says he's not going to change. People kind of ask I him about I don't think he that. will. I think, I think there's, this is someone that's been bathed in football forever, and he's got a lot of his dad in him. But just who he is in general, there are ah. little tiny areas because the Niners have had issues against quarter, running quarterbacks. They're 19th in the league but they're really good against the run in general. They're giving up right. 77 yards a game. They haven't allowed a 100-yard rusher all, all year. And last week, I mean, I think the Eagles just match up so well against the Giants. And each time they played them, it's just they both lines were so physically dominant. It's a different situation here. You've got two of the best offensive lines in the league, two of the best, deepest defensive lines that can just put out rotations of players and you're right about the Eagles' pass rush, but you got Trent Williams. This is not the Giants' situation this time around. And I kind of just trust the way that the Eagles, that the Niners are coached to keep Brock Purdy safer than as someone like Daniel Jones was a week ago. The other thing is the Eagles' defense is phenomenal. They can get to the quarterback, but you can run on them. It's been a little bit better of late. I think that it's different when you've got guys like Linval Joseph, who's made a big difference against the run. I mean, their run defense has improved. But overall, they're 21st. I go back to this game that feels like a total aberration. But that commander's loss on Monday night, which is really weird, Washington just went at them and ran the ball 49 times. But they are stronger up front now, and they've got new guys there, Nadamik and Sue as well. So Jordan Davis is back. So I don't know if it's... I, I could see a defensive battle, which I would love in this. But I feel like you could make a Pro Bowl team out of these two rosters and go play anyone the AFC gives at you and probably win. Like, I don't I can't remember two teams this stacked all over the place dealing with each other in the title game. And you said, you know, it's different with Trent Williams and true. Trent Williams is the first team all pro, but you know who's second team all pro? Andrew Thomas, the left tackle of the Giants. And so it's not just about like that spot. It's that they have so many guys that they could just roll at you and they, what did they lead the league in sacks by like 15 sacks or something like that? Yeah, and it's the like Eagles, spread across the board. It was just relentless across the entire season and, and that to me like, yeah, it's not all about the quarterback but what I saw from Jalen Hurts last week makes me think he's going to continue to be that dude and I just think that's, if you really have to figure out like where's the mismatch here, I do think it is at QB more than anywhere else at where Hurts playing at an MVP level this season and Purdy in a different place in his career. Hmm. I I think the first quarter is huge. Both these teams are really good with the lead, especially the Eagles, because of what you mentioned, uh, that the run defense probably is the weakest part of either team in this entire game. So, and the 49ers are built to go after it. And I am curious, are they going to use Jordan Davis? He kind of came in late last week. He's been injured. Joseph and Sue have been okay, but they they were on the street for a reason. So like if the Eagles can get a lead, then I feel like the difference in Purdy having to really step up could become something and it might only take a turnover too. But if the 49ers are get the lead early or it's tight, like the, the Eagles haven't always been in those sort of games. And that is the type of game that, that I expect it to be. What an incredible story it would be, by the way, if Purdy shreds the Eagles on Sunday. I'm in totally uncharted territory. That, I mean, that would be uh, that would be a story. I think he'll have opportunities because yeah. I think they'll be built to stop the run and see what Purdy can do. Especially he will be on the, the story for two weeks leading to the Super Bowl. If he has a big NFC title game and he's eight and zero as a starter, 
everything that goes, even the hook of it all is Mr. Irrelevant. We are. And I think like Mark, I, I know you enough in terms of your football, like watching and as an analyst that you like, you favor chaos and things that haven't happened before. And that's what Purdy is. Obviously he's some. this is an unprecedented situation. So that's, that's fun. And I hope, I hope he does play well. Cause that's a great story. I want to know, like, is Christian McCaffrey healthy? Yeah, that is huge. You had a wrap on? That's another big part of it. They say it's a contusion of his calf, but, you know, he wasn't getting vital touches in the final minutes of the divisional playoff game. I like Elijah Mitchell a lot, but is he banged up again, too? I mean, they both were out of practice and are expected to play, but I'm with you. There's a big difference on passing down. And they did not, they did not run the ball well against the Cowboys. I think as a team, they averaged three and a half yards a carry. You're going to need to give your rookie quarterback a big time support in the running game. Yeah. They had 32 carries for 113 yards. They did get better as that game wore on. I think that, and this is what, I don't know if this, you have this effect against the Eagles, but Dallas was winded by the end of that. I think that's the effect of this offense. It starts with their offensive line and they weren't breaking out the huge breakaway runs with McCaffrey and stuff, which we've seen in other weeks, but they tired Dallas down by the end and it opened things up for Purdy a little bit. You know, the other part is Dak peed down his leg last week. Absolutely. And there was a lot of bad possessions and you're sending that defense back on the field. That's not how this Eagles offense. I know San Francisco's defense is also excellent, I think the Eagles are going to have long drives. I think they're going to be able to score points in this game, and I think that will help uh, the defense uh, from getting tired out and getting worn out as well. I, I I agree. The performance by Purdy I thought was better looking at it again. Uh, on the All-22 and stuff, like there weren't really guys open. I think Dallas did an excellent job. They stopped the run. There weren't those plays where you just see – there was a couple, but where just like – it, they make it real easy for Purdy. And actually, I thought he did a great job not forcing it. And he made a couple really good throws. But that I think that was a game where he could have collapsed because right. he didn't he avoided the big mistake. And I do worry just a little bit as someone who's picking the Eagles, clearly rooting for the Eagles, that like their coaching staff, Jonathan Gannon, who Nick Sirianni really defends his coordinator, who the radio host, uh, apparently Angelo's pissed, uh, Angelo's pissed off Nick with his <laughs> uh, derisive comments about Jonathan Gannon. I do worry a little <laughs> bit, like, are they as flexible? Are they going to show as much uh, different looks quarter to quarter, snap to snap? Like, they haven't been that team. They've played a lot of soft zone. Like, I do think sending some blitzes at Purdy could work. It absolutely worked for Dallas last week. And Quinn, I think, had an excellent game plan. Do I think the Eagles are, are as good, as complete? No. I just think they're like an incredible pass rush team, especially Reddick and Sweat. And that might be enough. Like Josh Sweat and Graham coming in as the third rusher, like those three alone mm. might be enough to do it. But coaching wise, I'm a little worried about the Shanahan versus Gannon matchup. Well, I think it's like a huge, like Gannon can change what you think about him. But Nick Sirianni too is has floated under the radar, like has to outduel Shanahan, which is probably a way bigger challenge than he's dealt with. That's not like dealing with, you know, the half of the stuff he would did in the regular season. Shanahan right now is on tilt. I mean, he's done such a good job scheming wideouts open for Brock Purdy. Wait, and tilt, that, uh, though, is it means you're struggling. 
means well, like that's true, like an old like a. It's like yeah, when Greg was machine. going nuts earlier in the show. Yeah, Greg was like, going like look in his eyes. I was well, trying to give dog. you my machinations. He's not on top of what was happening. Yes, but I mean he like I thought that Purdy. That is a disgusting sound drop. I thought Purdy like like he just seems mentally strong to me because like he could have crumbled last week. You're right, and he, there's been other situations like that, and, and he's he's well coached. But I think it's kid. I think it's who he is, and like that's what everyone's saying about him. And like you know, you had one week where George Kittle led you in receiving. The next week it's Debo Samuel. Then it's Brandon Ayuk who's been playing out of his mind. It's like you can shut one of these guys down. Can you do it all across the board? I say you can't because I am a so far out of the lock competition at this point that I've just been thrown out of a moving aircraft. So it doesn't really matter. But I'm locking up the Niners because I believe in them. And I like I, this is a team I want to see in the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl. I've become a fanboy of the Niners. You are. You, you've always been a Shanahan fanboy. Yes. And and Shanahan, by the way, has some ghosts to slay as well. Yep. You know, they kind of gagged away a Super Bowl trip last year. Let's be real. Um, against the Rams. Up, I think, t- up 10 in the fourth quarter. Yeah, you want to win quarter. that game. Yep. Shanahan is the OC that presided over 28-3 and the losing effort. I believe there was one other game. Oh, the Super Bowl against the Chiefs. Another uh, significant lead late in that game. Shanahan let it get away. Does that make me nervous? Not really. But he does have kind of a bit of a sordid history in the playoffs. But the fact that he's also po- keeps popping up in these huge playoff games, Super Bowls, championship games, speaks to that he's a great coach. He is one of those five or six guys that are difference makers. And I, have to, I have to play the game. There's the ga- there's the Zeuser, like who I think is going to win the game. And then there's Zeuser who does not want to give the trophy that, to That Greg. feels like the ultimate mirror test. Though. I don't care. It doesn't matter Greg, in this case. I don't care what your you opinion no on mirror. this is. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I know, but you were the first person who put the mirror test out there, right? I got your mirror right here. What's, what's, why is a mirror involved here? Well, I'm saying if you're picking a game that you don't believe in, that feels I didn't say like I looking don't in the mirror. I believe in it. I'm it's saying, the strategy. I'm yeah. saying there's strategy. This is yes. a game, Greg. And the game is now, I have to come get you. Uh, I yeah. will lock up the Niners. Um, because there is a path. They're the Niners. They haven't lost since October 23rd. Purdy has been a revelation. And they have guys like Debo Samuel, like Brandon Ayuk, like Trent Williams. Mm-hmm. There are superstars. Fred like Warner. Ufanga, my guy. Yeah. Had a great game last week. Bosa. There's stars. Fred Warner. There's stars all over the place. And it is certainly within the realm of possibilities that the Niners deliver a big-time effort with their all-star team. So that's how I get within one game of Greggy uh, heading into Super Bowl Sunday. And we are. This is it, the Ooh, energy. Feel, lock brothers. It feels like a different, different. Rock Brothers energy. Different. But I'm just there to support you, Dan. I love you, buddy. And I promise and, you and I you will not well, be moving. Greg. You as well, Greg. But in a different way. <laughs> in a way that isn't real. Dan, you should mention to yes. the listeners who we never actually said it on the pod last week. This yes. is your second week in a row locking the Niners. Okay. I did. I moved. Yes. What a showman. Yeah. That was my move over. My sh- The showman. Why do you think we're having all this con- conversation? Because yeah. I didn't go down with the Giants. And I knew by pushing it to this week, the games would get a lot tighter. And it wouldn't feel like I was right. in a but desperate situation. Right, but now you're just playing for a tie. And that would be annoying to tie. But it, I guess it's good I have a tie championship. But the tie ones are... Would it, we what, probably need to revisit the rules in the offseason. Let yeah. me simplify it for you. Yeah. Would you rather win outright or be in a tie? Well, right. I would rather win outright, of course. So yeah. this this yeah. annoys you then more. That sure. You're potentially Absolutely. Tie. If I were you, you go for the tie. <laughs> it's just like, what does that even mean? A tie? Yeah, I'll tell you we why. We need to come I'll up with a new you, you game, know, You know this show well enough and you know yeah. Dan well enough <laughs> that by the time we get to May or June, 
That yes. tie is tilted verbally in Dan's favor in every possible way. So it right. means a lot well, versus also, you winning like outright. Like I said, the trophy is in my house. I mean, Am I going to give you the trophy no. if we tied? No. I don't come can, over you and can visit keep, you. That part wouldn't annoy you me You can all. come look at it anytime you want. You can just keep it forever. Yeah. I don't care about the trophy. It's just you want to you win the thing. The trophy is what matters. I will hand the trophy over um, gracefully on Ooh. Sunday night. Oh, wow. On Sunday night, if the Eagles triumph. That is, it's very important to have a transfer of power that is respectful. <laughs> well, it'd be dishonorable to keep it if you lose outright. So, But if we go into Super Bowl Sunday with Greg up one, he'll feel the heat that I was on last year. Yeah. Well, no, you guys were tied. And That's almost better that way. Well, you're going to feel that heat to put this thing away and find a way. And I'm, I'll be going off your pick again, just like I was last year. This, the pressure is all on you, is what I'm trying to say right now. Well, I do. It does help to know that I have no power over what's going to happen and that it's all luck if I get this right or wrong. If I win, I, I freely admit it's entirely luck. No, you don't don't sell it that way, though. <laughs> what is going on with, with this? Like, I mean, in these games... And in general, you know what, it's, Greg? It's I, all like, I think what you are we think doing more here, about Greg? this than any person I've ever met in my life. <laughs> you still try to get it, but I think we can. Greg, all that, all twenty-two game study, all the reading that you do, all the all the different things that you do to be a more knowledgeable football analyst. It's kind of it a weird move picking games to to say none of it matters at all in terms of picking games. I don't think it makes a significant difference. Uh, certainly, over picking a one game a week. For a That's lock. why you get like you know moms who don't even watch winning football right. pools because I think there's something to be said there. That, um, let's run it back. So. I think it's for my mom. Did you say that or is that a drop? That was a drop. I don't know what the uh, reflection. <laughs> don't bring was. Deb into this. Jalen Hurts is gonna get it done. Mark for just me. said something about moms. Mm. Well, also by the way, dads that don't watch football, I, I get it. Everyone, <laughs> whoever doesn't watch football can win these You're football done. pools. It's too late. Well, one little later. thing to keep an eye with with Hurts though. <laughs> sure, go ahead. Is uh. I think he's matured a lot and like these linebackers who are so good for the 49ers to me are like their whole defense, uh, but they're very aggressive. One thing Mahomes did great when he shredded them was he looked them off with his eyes throughout that game. And they almost teach that like watching the quarterback's eyes. And to me, Hertz has, has matured so much. This game is on him. If he can be the passer inside the pocket and take advantage of those mismatches, he's got the two. I take Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown over Ayuk and Debo, especially in this matchup because the cornerbacks for the Eagles are better. Hmm. Like, I, I think this is a Hurts moment here. I think it's going to be up to him. If he plays as well as I think he can, they win. Otherwise, I think the 49ers are actually a little bit better of a team overall. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I do care about the situation with Hertz's shoulder too. I mean, still the way he's, the way he talks about, it, he's like, I felt better, but we're gonna know, have to go like, play the game. He played so well, so that part and I also I, like, maybe on the ground they got though, to the really ways. shift that thing uh, into cruise control for the last two and a half quarters sure. or two quarters. Like it ain't gonna be like the way with San Francisco no. coming after him. No, but I guess I mean like if the shoulder was good on that first. What was that? The second play of the game, that yeah. beautiful throw down. I don't think it's field. the like, throwing so much. Okay, like, I'm just more running. like, if it, like the, the Hurts, the runner, if he's if it's even making you think differently about what contact you. Because I think with Mahomes and Hurts, both of it is not where they are. It's like, do you re aggravate that in the middle of the game? Then everything right. changes. Nick, Nick Bosa trying to kill you for three and a half hours. That would be a cause of consternation uh, if I were Nick Sirianni. By the way, just yeah. so we have this buttoned up, uh, what is your lock, uh, Mr. Gravedigger? So I've decided not to lock anymore this year. 
Not that anyone cares, but I shut it down. I prefer to finish the season at ten and ten. Oh, that's versus, good. I, that like, makes yeah. sense. You yeah. Derek Hard yourself. Yeah. These are the two hardest weeks, I guess, of the season because yeah. there, there won't be any big spreads next. Derek Hard didn't have the decision. There. He was Derek. Oh, Hard, he was Derek Hard by himself. Oh, but he did like excuse <laughs> yeah. himself no, from Carr, the team. You're no, right. We but could Derek go. Carr wanted to play. I'm saying that right. he, the authoritative part of him. Derek Hard, the rest of him. Right. Which makes no sense at all. Let's check out the standings uh, before Championship Sunday. Do we need to? <laughs> oh, good season, by the way, Greg. 16 and 4. Uh, Dan Hans is 14 and 6. Westbro, well, we have we have words now. This Westbro is so close. Grave Digger, great effort. Mark, pathetic. Well, first of all, that's not even correctly slotted. I'm not in last place or anywhere near it. So I, don't I think know. it's saying everyone's tied if you're not in the mix. So in that sense, it's just. I, I really would genuinely <laughs> at this stage. I want information, intel on who wrote that. Justin, because there will be a comeuppance. A particularly large human. That person will be, pun- that. will be punished. How, how do you plan to beat up a man that's twice your height? There are multiple ways to punish human individuals. Little shots at the knees. You got to chop them down. Chop them down. Does he stay up 24 hours a day? Oh, Do his eyes ever close? Smart. He's I don't a know gi- if he does. He's a giant. If, he needs rest. I don't know if Drew sleeps. That, the jury's out on Drew doing human stuff like that. We'll learn. <laughs> All right. That was Sunday Drive presented by Toyota. Championship Sunday. Let's just, uh, let's see. Fox, Niners. Eagles, Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson, 3 p.m. Eastern kickoff. Bengals at Chiefs, 6.30 p.m. Eastern kickoff. Nance and Roma, big game for Romo. Come on, Tony. Give us something. I would flip these. I would have had the I would, game I would have first too. Absolutely. Well, they, yeah. They, I just assumed that's what it was, and then they and they pulled a fast one on us. Uh, they schedule it, you know, ahead of time, years ahead. It flip-flops every year. Uh, mm. We'll put the Niners and Eagles in the AFC just for this week, then have them. Why would you flip-flop it? No, I, which I'm game? Curious. Which game? Like, uh, I feel like I've seen What's Bengals the Chiefs. Entree? To me, I've, it's Eagles Niners. They, they, we even, they have like, they haven't even clashed with these great two versions. These, these are teams. both huge entrees, but I would push back and say Joe Burrow versus Patrick F and Mahomes is uh, the ultimate. You, gotta, you can only watch headliner. one game. You have to go to the zoo for the other game. Bengals Chiefs. Hmm. I, to me, hmm. that's I like. What do you mean? Well, I, I think you're being a contrarian here. I'm not. You're crazy. <laughs> it's part of no, hold on. We're not crazy either because I no, think no, you, you, the, both games have an argument. I, I'm more emotionally invested in the Eagles. I I locked it up largely because it's the result I want the most. Are we and back, it's are earlier. We back My point here? is, though, it's because I wanted just to watch Bengals Chiefs as pure as possible. I don't want to be like really annoyed if if Patrick Mahomes has like I'm a beautiful uh, performance. These are these are the guys, Joe Here's Burrow, Patrick Mahomes. This is a quarterback league. You, you get Nobody's to, going to the zoo. Yeah, you get to I'm watch annoyed both. now. No, not, no zoo on Sunday. You get to watch both. We are watching both games, as are you, if you're listening and watching this right now. So enjoy the football. We will be back Sunday night with a full recap of both these games. And guess what? We're going to know who's playing in the damn Super Bowl. That's fun. Until then, enjoy your weekend and heed the call.
Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. 